0: Everybody, welcome to all. You can hear is uh wait, this is an all you can hear project, is that or is this its own thing? I can't remember. It's been so long now. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> we'll we'll work anyway. out the kinks of it. <laughs> yeah, the, the specificities of it. You don't have to nitpick me, please, God. This is essential viewing, episode five or EV five or essential viewing reformatted one. I am your host, Wenzel. And joining me today are three temporal co-hosts. It's me, Johnny. Oh, it's
2: past Pat. Sorry, right, I didn't know what order we were going in. It's canon. I'm here. I'm ready. Oh my God, I've been waiting so long for this. I'm excited.
0: Oh, have you? Have you been waiting long for this? Well, we're going to wait a little longer. <laughs> uh, I mean, what, what's another year? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so obviously, we. <laughs> this is something we've been putting off for a while if you don't know uh from the title you can tell this is an episode essential viewing for back to the future like i said before this is this is the reformatted series uh where we discuss films and it's <laughs> it's uh yeah it's been a while it's been uh, over a year the last one came out in december of 2019 you know, since I'm the host, I uh I've started to know my ums and uhs a lot more and it's not really helping. But we're going to push through that. You got this, Winslow, I believe. So, uh... got it. I mean, you host you hosted before, <laughs> so, so yeah, no a thing. No, 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 no. No. No, it ain't no, no thing. Truth it ain't be told, no thing. as someone who's but, hosted
2: my own episode for the first time. I I'll admit it was like uh-oh. <laughs> but it was fun time. It was it was a good time.
0: Yeah, that that's good. Yeah, I bet. And You know, um, it's been a while, so, but anyway, like I was saying, we're going to be discussing one of the most iconic sci-fi films of all time, Back to the Future. Yes! Something that, with every essential viewing that we've done before, uh, well, we're going to start doing until now, and I think we've done before? It's been so long, um, is that we are under the assumption that you, the audience, the has seen the movie so there's gonna be spoilers we're not gonna explain the plot to you you know the plot we don't have to explain it to you this isn't like a review that's not what this is uh this is more of a formal and critical analysis of of films and we're gonna be doing that with uh back to the future we won't remove even though it's reformatted we won't remove our previous episodes those will still be up for your listening pleasures um but to kind of like break the uh not break the ice but kind of like get the elephant out of the room is uh me and John we were kind of dissatisfied with with our previous episodes and what we were doing um the quality and the structure i can probably or i'm willing to blame that on me because it was supposed to be a it was supposed to be a team effort and i kind of pushed at the time i kind of pushed more for review because uh to be honest i didn't really uh, understand what I was what I was doing with something like this at, at the time. Uh, I, I just had a very basic and shallow idea when it comes to analyzing media and. Um, and I, I kind of carried that over from, like, my English and literature classes. Sorry, I'm having to explain this, but I, I just really wanted to get this out well, there. it's not
3: your fault, Wendell. I I, I, feel, I was like, oh, I don't need show notes for this shit. And then I was like, oh, shit, maybe I do. Yeah. Because so I, I, I did not prepare <laughs> very well for those early episodes. Even though I think there are, there's some good in there, they're just a little rough. Uh, I definitely would say um, those
1: episodes, they have been, been played very well. That. Even, even that we had this huge gap in production, they should still be listened to very frequently. Uh, we appreciate you going back to listen to those episodes, uh, all four of them. <laughs> but um, I, th- those are fun <laughs> in his own right, but I definitely think you can look forward to a new version of attention viewing going forward. Hopefully a little bit more regular, but like we said, just life and a hundred other things got in the way yeah, in, yeah. In, in, in the meaning of production. And plus we do a yeah. lot of stuff anyway yeah
0: yeah, we're we're already crammed and you know i don't i don't hate those episodes either so go go back and listen to them if you want i like pat said uh we originally wanted this to come out last year but right as when we were about to do this bam covid yeah covid went and hit us right in there right in the balls
3: yeah because you know we we took about a, like a couple month break and then it was just like all right we're going we're finally going to do it and then
1: yes.
2: bam and,
3: yeah. I mean, hell, we, we
1: were thinking about doing the Patreon, and bam, COVID. Yep.
3: One year later. But enough <laughs> of this <laughs> yeah. sad, uh, self-deprecating bullshit.
0: Let's get to this movie. All yeah. right,
1: Wenzel, uh, lead us yeah. off. What exactly we'll be doing for
0: today? All right, so Back to Future, it's exactly as it sounds, a time travel film, and we'll be discussing it. Uh, previously, though, uh, we, we've each watched it. Um, multiple times so we know our stuff when we're talking about it we're not we're not just going we're going off memory but we're not going solely off a of memory and back to the future is it's a very straightforward film in that it is about like i said time travel and it is broken up into three acts uh each with very simple setup, revelation set up revelation which revelation can go also with conflict and then we get our resolution in the third and final act um, but I wanted to do something very, very simple and uh, very early, and I wanted to get everybody's thoughts on the film first. Getting ready for this episode, this was take my movie,
3: my cinephile card away, because is that was the first <laughs> time seeing this movie. For some reason, never got a chance to see it. Even though it was part of that generation of movies I grew up on, like, you know, all this, those Spielberg movies, Star Wars, Indiana Jones. But Back to the Future always escaped me. And, and I was, because one thing I worry about with, like, the original trilogy for Star Wars, I was like, if I were to watch them for the first time now, would I still love them as much as I do? So I was scared that, like, it, you, you know, it was going to be one of those movies that you hear a lot about and then you get to, it's like, eh, that was all that was all right. But wasn't that great? I can say this movie is really fun, and I think it does deserve the hype it gets. And and, and it was really interesting watching it the second time to see, like, all, like, every single thing is set up and has a pretty satisfying payoff. And it's woven pretty naturally into the plot. But... Yeah, I really like this movie. Um,
1: for me, uh, of course, it's one of those things you, you grow up watching, you see it just inundated in pop culture. It's one of the most famous movies, American movies of all time. But really just sitting down and just like to really focus on the film, I realized like it's just, it's, it's, it's an amazing film. It's so well crafted. You can tell because it, it, it took a lot of time to really work it over and get it right. And to me, I think it's, it's all just, fits together so well barely a lull in it there's not really anything i feel like you could really just tidy up to like oh we can snip that or trim that to make it flow a little better i think it for a movie that's almost two hours it breezes through like we weren't i didn't realize how quick we were going until we got up the end. It's like, oh hell we're almost to the end here and like i think it's just a, a fun film uh we'll, we'll of course we'll, we'll probably get into sort of the nitty-gritty of it uh later on but like i it, it's it's a it's a great film and I, I i thoroughly enjoyed myself watching it uh, over the last few times 40 episode uh
2: i'm i'm sorry i'm still shocked that jonathan had only just seen this movie it's fine like i was but like here's the thing i adore back to the future it is my favorite trilogy of all time controversial, maybe, but I said it, I don't care. It's like in the war of Star Wars versus Lord of the Rings, I'm the one in the middle shouting
0: back to the future.
2: But, um, yeah, like like Pat said, it was like always on, uh, uh whenever it was on TV, I could start it at any point and just have a good time. I I remember, God, I don't know how old I was, but, uh, I want to say it was the first time I'd ever seen it. It was on some movie channel, and I watched it, and I was confused because it had the, to um, It actually showed, like, what to come, like, in part two. And I was like, what? And, like, me, I'm like, oh, it's about to come on. And it doesn't come on. And it's like, oh, time to go to bed. You have to go to school. I'm like, oh, my life is ruined. Then, you know, finally got to see all of them. And, in fact, I'm just going to go ahead and get this out of the way. Um, I'm sending a picture in the group chat right now. Of course, people listening aren't going to be able to see it. But Wenzel hasn't seen this yet, and I wanted to get his reaction. Have a Back to the Future piece
0: in the works on my arm right now. I've been very excited to see this for a while. Oh, shit. And it's actually a cover-up, too. (laughs) Dang. That (laughs) that looks awesome. Canaan, do you want to
1: describe what your tattoo looks like? I know it's still in process, but basically the general sort of imagery for the folks at home.
2: Well, um, me and the artist, we, we literally just like came up with this concept, shooting emails back and forth while I was at work one day. And I knew that the cover-up, the tattoo I was getting covered up was like mostly just all black. So, of course, black had to cover it up, and I got... Granted, we're not talking about that movie today, but maybe in the future. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I believe it's Biff's Sons, Hoverboard, The Pitbull, and... We also have Marty's board, and I can't fucking wait to have that hot pink and neon green right there. That's going to be sick. We got the clock tower with the lightning hitting it. And then two additions that the artist added that just blew me away is, of course, the back of the DeLorean. And at the bottom, it's the uh, the time circuits. And <laughs> I am so Hell happy yeah. with this tattoo. <laughs> I can't wait to get it finished.
0: I feel you. That looks awesome, Thank man. Thank you. That looks great. I can't believe we got
1: it
3: just for the show.
1: That's, that's, just for the show. I
2: just mean, for the bit.
3: <laughs> just
1: for the show. It, it's not a, like Cannon <laughs> has
2: been a lifelong fan of this.
1: And it's definitely not like Cannon's willing to go
2: all in on a bit. <laughs> I do like to go whole hog on a bit from time to time. But, you
0: know. Thank you, Can, for the dedication Thank to us. Thank you for your service. You.
2: You're welcome. You can always count on me.
0: Cannon, braver than the troops. When I was first introduced to Back to the Future, I actually saw it on Nick and Knight. They would have wow. constant marathons of all three of them and the first one I actually saw was part two as well uh and like you I was confused and for some reason every time I think of of the first film I always get like the part two and part one like they're interwoven we woven together yeah. so it's like random bits from them are like happening and it's like they they don't happen in the same movie. They happen separately. But that's that's how I watched them. Uh, it was during like middle school. I don't remember how old I was. I, it was like I would always throw on Nick at Night, and it'd always be very passive. But I remember having a uh, when those when they first came on, I, I would definitely my kind of like uh, comfort watch because they they were just they were very very uh very solid trilogy. I'll say that. Yes. Um, and that's actually. That's actually something I wanted to say is that I really liked Canon's review, or your review, Canon, on Letterboxd about how it's just a very simple film. It's nothing convoluted or complex, just straight on the point. Yeah,
3: and, and, and especially for a time travel movie because most of the time those are the ones with the most convoluted
2: plot. Yes, and they can get weird really quickly. But um, yeah. we were we were talking about it last night, and it was a good analogy. Like, this, this movie, like literally flows like water. I mean, you you get, like, little bits of exposition, but it's not, like, forced. It's not like, you know, Willie's Wonderland, mm-hmm. you know, if you get what I mean. Well, like, you don't interrupt the flow of the story in order to tell what's going on in the story. Yes, and there's, like, every time you see it, there's something new they're like, hell, like, in the very opening scene. I've seen this, like, again, I've seen these movies, like, probably the most out of any movies ever, and, like one of Doc's clocks had like a little man like holding on to one of the the hands of the clock yeah like little nifty foreshadowing there and
3: and there's a lot of things like the first time through just sound like flavor text but they are like specifically setting up the payoffs for the end of it yes exactly
1: or or even stuff that that, there'll be stuff that's introduced in the present day that is referenced in the past. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, they're talking about how the mother's brother didn't get out of jail. Yeah. And then, yeah. when the next when you see her brother's a baby, he's in a crib, he's behind bars, <laughs> quote, quote, which, which is a great little bit there.
0: I, I guess since we're talking about little bits and Easter eggs, I guess we should get down to the nitty gritty. So, if that's okay with I'm you getting, guys. Oh, no. let's do this. Lead on, Captain. Back to the Future, directed by Robert Zemeckis, which is, some might know him. He's a very famous director, produced by Bob Gale, Neil Canton, written by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. It was released on July 3rd, 1985, by Universal Pictures, uh, produced with Amblin Entertainment, uh, it had a budget of 19000000 million. I'm going into very, you know, for all you fucking statistic and... Those fucking sports nerds.
2: Oh, don't worry. I got some, too. This is great.
0: <laughs> That's good. Uh, box office was $389.1 million. That's Would that be chump change compared to now? I don't know. That's a lot well, of money. Yeah. You
3: know. also have to take into account inflation. It and and,
0: and so plus, that. like how much money
1: has the film accrued and all of its forms across the last 35 years.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it de- it definitely um, it definitely paid off uh, with especially with the with the budget uh, nineteen million compared to what they got. But anyway, uh, ca- I have I have to go over the cast list too, just just for uh, clarity's sake. We have Michael J. Fox playing Marty McFly, Christopher Lloyd, Doctor Emmett Brown, Leah Thompson, Lorraine Baines, Crispin Glover playing George McFly, Marty McFly's father, and Lorraine Baines being his mother. Uh, Thomas F. Wilson playing Biff Tannen, uh, Claudia Wells playing Jennifer Parker, our love interest uh Mark McClure playing Dave McFly, Wendy Jo Sperber playing Linda McFly, those are Marty's uh siblings. Uh George Dicenzo. <laughs> Shit, I think Google might have auto-corrected, I can't remember his name, but Francis Lee McCain, those two people play Lorraine, uh Marty McFly's mother's. Those are essentially their grandparents, his grandparents, her parents james tolkien is play uh, plays mr strickland there is a character that every time i see his name i'm like why 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 did you choose this name for him it's a guy his name is jj cohen plays a character named skinhead and i'm like out of all the name, like he's a punk he's part of biff's crew and um and i i just wanted to throw that in there and also harry, uh, harry j uh, waters jr plays marvin barry which is a reference um i i just don't think skinhead
3: probably had the same connotation in 85 that it does now
0: (laughs) no of course it's just a really it's just a really stupid name that's the thing well well, billy
1: zane's uh character in biff's gang his name is match
0: (laughs) match yeah i mean that's better (laughs) though than skinhead i mean there's there's
1: some there's some uh, cultural oogie boogie to that now but just like You think, oh, these are just dumb, silly, like, nicknames from just, like, street-tough little punk, and then it's like, oh, wait, hold on.
0: But anyway, I'm gonna, uh, let's go into, or I'm gonna go into the conception of the story. Um, how this came to be is that one of the writers, Gail, um, he had originally wondered what it would have been like to have been good friends with his father and went to school together, and then, um you know, that blossomed to, would you have been friends with your parents if you attended school with them? And then that's the uh, that's the main narrative device we have here is which is using time travel to create a scenario where the son and father are in school together. And then that brings us also into our central themes and also a main message is, what if we were friends and altering history? And I think that's something that uh, we see with this film that I think could be considered universal is like, how we view our parents especially seeing them in a different light which is a younger light Uh, as in like putting them to uh, to our youth to our uh, kind of in our shoes because there's all uh, because there's always a point in
3: someone's life where you finally you you know you see your parents for who they are and it's like oh they're actually like humans who can make mistakes and whatnot but you, you sort of see that in reverse where it's like you have, like, the conception of what your parents are, you know, like with Marty's mom just kind of being a curmudgeon Puritan. And then when we get to the past, she's just, like, thirsty as shit. <laughs> yeah, she is. And, and just, like, a side tangent something. right quick. I didn't realize that was going to be a main plot point. I always heard about it and thought it was just like going to be like this. Oh, like one little like side gag or something. No, this is like the main plot of the movie revolves around Marty's mom wanting to fuck him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that baffles me because this is your first time seeing it. Um, I, I I remember seeing it as a kid and seeing it now. I'm just kind of since I've seen it so much, I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> you're you're so.
3: inoculated to it. <laughs>
1: And like we were, we were talking about it <laughs> last night, just sort of like different little bits behind the scenes. But one thing that really threw me is that apparently uh, the execs wanted that re- that relationship to be more explicit. That they wanted Marty to re- reciprocate his mother's feelings.
3: Mm-mm. No and then no and then, I, I think I, I think that like that would cross the line and I think people would be like that's fucking weird
1: if it,
2: yeah
1: I mean the, the whole conceit is like this like funny like mix them up. It's like, oh she's falling in love with the wrong boy isn't this wacky but then apparently the Zex they wanted like some weird uh, Oedipus shit
3: and, and, and just like <laughs> wait a
1: minute Back wait. to the
2: Future was originally going to be rated <laughs> NC-17 is what I'm here. Just, just, like, just like there's, <laughs>
3: there's,
1: there's a uh, NC 17 cut of Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh man. Oh God.
0: That that's going to be a dated bit.
1: Uh, I'm just thinking,
0: Pat. Are you telling me the executives wanted more? In they, they
1: wanted Marty and his mother to like, if nothing else, to kiss. Like, like Marty's like, oh yeah, she's hot. Ma ma ma. That.
0: Those are some red flags there. I mean, that should have told you right now that
3: Hollywood's run by a bunch of pedophiles and rapists. A bunch w- of uh, incest cannibals. Fucking degenerates right? being like, <laughs> this, you know what? This movie needs more incest. <laughs> But, like, if you you explain the plot of the movie just, like, with no, like, sort of conception that this is back to the future. you uh, This is iconic movie that is just woven into our fabric, our societal fabric. You just explain the plot and think about it for a second. It's fucking weird.
2: Oh, yeah. Say, explaining it, saying it out loud to someone is definitely going to, like, raise some ears.
3: Okay, it, it's, it's starring Michael J. Fox, who... I will hammer in the point by (laughs) the end of this podcast that Michael J. Fox simultaneously looks like a teenager and also 45 at the same time.
2: All right, you see, you talked about that last night. That's the first thing on our watch notes. I was like, you got to talk about the MJF age bit. (laughs) MJF. Holy shit. (laughs) MJF, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Wrestling
1: bit for anybody that don't know. There's a wrestler named MJF who is a smarmy
2: shitheel. I didn't realize it until I wrote the initials down. I was like, holy shit.
1: Yeah, but there's, but there's already a wrestler that has a, a Back to the Future gimmick, and that's Kushida. Yes!
2: Literally dresses like Marty McFly. It's amazing.
3: But he teams up with this old man. We never officially learn, out, learn how they meet. They're just like best friends. This teenager and this just random old man. Seems kind of sketchy. The old man builds a time machine out of What's the newest car right now? Oh, DeLorean. Let's put that in this movie. And he's going travel back in time and accidentally mess shit up to where his parents don't hook up. So he has to he has to go back in time, make sure his mom and dad hook up so he can be born. Meanwhile, his mom wants to sleep with him and he has to dissuade her away from him towards his just insufferably pathetic Father, Yet still very handsome. He is a gawky,
1: gangly guy, but he's a, he's a good-looking fellow. But I did think it was funny how basically the, the doctor was about to like uh, his own fucking dog. To be uh, like, oh, I'm going to send my dog in the future and hope it comes back. Because <laughs> I'm imagining, like, what if there was like a horror cut? Like, Cronenberg directed Back to the Future. Or after they sent Einstein in that test, like, he just comes back. And it's just like this hairy flesh car. Like, he just fused with it like the fly.
0: I don't need that in my life, Pat. Nah, Doc Brown knew what he was doing. Sort of. (laughs) Sort of. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and say, if anybody listening, John did not do all of those characters justice. So, listen to him, but also...
1: That's that's the cliff notes.
0: (laughs) Yeah because because this this film like I've been saying and I, I I can't stop saying it I have it everywhere in my notes is that it is a clear-cut and straightforward film and I res- I re- highly respect that
3: yeah, I, yeah. Uh, no, oh, no. I, I was just gonna say that the movie is just y- y- it's like you said very simple but it, it executes everything very well. So it, it's like, I mean, you don't have to give me this fucking like art house movie. That's going to make me think for three days, but like, as long as you just <laughs> execute things properly and you know, like, like you said, it's just fun and simple.
0: Yeah. And like, like you said, it doesn't have to be like art house or overly complex um, to actually be renowned. And this is renowned. Uh, I, I might've, I might've, shot a little too early with this but we're going back right into it now um like i said the film is divided into three acts first being set up which takes place in 1985 uh we are introduced to our two main antagonists being biff and uh strickland and uh then we go into and also we are introduced love interest as well being parker and uh, family history and the main theme and message of the film and then we get to 1955 being uh the revelation climate uh not climax um conflict and then the third and final act being resolution which goes back into 1985 so in the first act we have uh we have something that like i said is introduced which is our main theme message of history first act we have one of our central themes is introduced which is responsibility and that goes with the main message which is as Marty states, to Mr. Strickland, because Mr. Strickland is call, is essentially calling out and debra- berating him. Berating! Thank you, Jonathan. Berating his him and his father as calling them both slackers. And McFly replies with, history's gonna change, which is the central theme here, and that is our destiny is not set in stone. And literally, it destiny isn't set in stone because <laughs> you have a time, machine, a time machine. So you can change... You can change whatever, but the responsibility aspect is he is a slacker, but the situation that of him being forced back into 1955 is responsibility being forced on him forced upon him so now he must rise to the challenge of not of being able to preserve himself save his parents but also saving his friend Doc Brown because Doc Brown dies in the very beginning of the movie which is something I don't know why never clicked with me I was like oh he's fine and then after watching it so many times now I'm like oh my god he's dead I feel I he did.
2: like as somebody who's just watched it like dozens of times like those a lot of those later viewings it's like oh didn't really hit you when you're a kid but like oh wow like he like literally dies in the beginning, but like you see him again because oh, we're in
0: the past. And it, it always it was always funny to me whenever they changed the um those um villains when they're first coming in. They they changed they had the original name for them, and I I thought I put it in here in my notes, uh, but they changed the, it. The because, yeah, I think so. And I think originally I can't remember if originally they had terrorist or they swapped them, or did they pull a Rambo three? And it's like, we
3: salute the brave soldiers of the Mujahideen. And if you don't know your recent history, that's the group that ultimately formed into Al-Qaeda. Thanks, John, for that history lesson. Well, I mean, that's what it sounds like. And once we
0: talk about time travel, history is important. Let's not forget. Like we've been saying, though, uh, something I really enjoyed about this film is, uh, or we all enjoy, and I've been saying constantly, is like everything, all the setups, all the payoffs, no, it, like everything that feels like it might have been rehashed isn't. Like it all, it all flows together, and that's also something I really liked about the endings for these films too. Is the uh, seamless endings? Like literally, as it ends, it picks up exactly yes. where it leaves off in the next film. So that I think that is something that I that's interesting and I really enjoy about Back to the Future as a trilogy is like how it literally makes up a time. It it makes its own linear timeline of like. For the, enti- uh, the entirety, for all the films together. Something I also noticed about this film that I thought was. All these central themes I want to point out are things that I noticed that I thought were interesting. This is a lot of uh, stuff I looked into. And, you know, and, and whenever we're discussing these films, uh, anybody here can feel free to jump in and add add something as well because everybody here took notes of some sort. But anyway, nostalgia. Oh, yeah. yeah. The film is. Con- and the the film is constantly setting up and paying off, but it doesn't feel old or oversaturated. It feels natural. It feels like nostalgia. When Marty first arrives in 1950s Hill Valley, he's greeted with uh, nice, soft, comforting music and the glitz and glamour of the 1950s, which looks very uh, clean and um, not bad whatsoever. Nothing bad happened in the 1950s. The, the Norman Walkwell painting. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, Zemeckis and Gail were actually both born in the early '50s, and this entirety, this second act uh, intro section, the intro specifically, uh, feels like it's uh, it's hearkening to you know simpler times, as some people would call it, but they're not really simple. But anyway, um, it's simplified through the eyes of a child, especially with Marty McFly. Now, he's a, he's a teenager, but he's definitely still considered a child, and he's seeing it this fresh. And I thought I, I definitely got that whenever um, I watched this originally and then watching it now is it because having, having older parents and grandparents having you describe these uh, these times, these towns that you like how, how they were especially seen through photographs and films. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's different. And um, especially when it's, um, through rose-colored glasses, I guess you could say. Very much so. Well, and, and, you know, everybody looks sort of on
3: their childhood as, you know, some sort of time of, you you know, where there's no worries, you don't have bills to pay, you know, life hasn't really hit you yet. Yeah, And, And then, you know, on top of that, not to get into that, but, like, there are, you know, America doesn't like to own up to its mistakes in its past in the education system. So, you know, that also has a, an effect on that, but yeah, very much. And, and it's interesting how, like, uh, how they, they choose to go to the fifties. Cause, uh, uh, there's this, they, they say that like a lot of nostalgia has like 30 year cycles, you know, as one generation sort of grows up and looks back, you know, you know, they're about five years ago. Everything was just 1980s themed mm-hmm. with, yeah. you know, references to like, like back to the future I call it like the Lucas Spielberg era films where it's, you know, the big blockbusters. Yeah. Who are those? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No, I was asking who are they? <laughs> I don't know what those are.
3: Oh, are you talk- uh, you know, like Star Wars, Jaws.
0: <laughs> Did you really answer my question? Thank you, Jonathan. You were so sweet.
3: <laughs> yes, I answered your question. I lost my train of thought. Thank you. The bit
1: has derailed. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: you were talking about the George Lucas and Spielberg era of films. Yeah, yeah, talking uh, about how like you know a
3: few years ago like that was the big, you know, everyone was thinking back to that time in sort of a fond light. But yeah, it's but I will say for back to the future, it does kind of acknowledge a like in, in a kid glove sort of way like the the racism too with that one character. Yeah. Are you talking about um
2: Goldie Wilson, Goldie. yeah, who's
3: he, he, the busboy who ultimately
0: becomes the mayor of the town?
2: And there's another bit later on in the movie, but you know, well, oh yeah, with- yeah, yeah.
0: I was about to say that's that was that was a nice setup. Is him or the setup should be uh, his advertising to be mayor, and then him getting the idea in 1950s to be mayor by Marty. That was really nice. Like, it's
2: weird. Like, it's kind of, it's like, I, I guess kind of a bad comparison because, like, it came out much later. But, you know, like the, the bits in Forrest Gump, how, like, they made it play out like he influenced things in history. Yeah. It's like the same thing with Marty. It's like, oh, this dude wasn't <coughs> going to be mayor until fucking this kid from 85 came back to 55 and was just like, oh, you're going to be mayor, by the way. He's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and it sort of gives you this interesting, like, perspective on, like, because every, everybody's interpretation every story's like portrayal of time travel is different. We have like this sort of stable time loop, like you know, like he's always changed history. Like it, this is what it's always been. Even though I feel like it, it started, like it started in the past, and then like, since he started in the present, then they went to the past that that he caused it, and that sort of retroactively changes things. So it what has, what has already been, and it always had happened. Which, yeah, I mean, it kind of makes your mind kind of start to fold in on itself when you really try to think about yeah, it yeah uh, it i can mean make your head hurt.
0: well i i have it bro- broken down it's kind of like a venn diagram there there's the the left circle which is we get the, t- the current timeline and his intro in the 1950s then the middle section is everything that he's altered and then the the right circle is um everything that's that's has come of those alterations yeah
3: it's sort of like I, the way i like to visualize it it's like a lower co- a roller coaster loop-de-loo where you, you know you go back to a certain <laughs> point but then it, it keeps going forward yeah but once you start thinking about time, it gets weird
0: <laughs> yeah and i mean you know it's not it's very it's like i keep saying it again it's very linear so it's very easy to understand but that actually brings me to uh uh sort of a character uh character analysis i'll be interweaving this about marty's parents uh this is this is where we get because after he gets 1950s he gets into a um he 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 meets his father at the uh, diner that's how we get introduced that and then we get introduced to his mother later anyway uh the film is not incredibly deep obviously but it's has a very it does a very spectacular job of altering the view on um marty's parents uh when we first meet them in the 1980s there's they're nothing more than a lower middle class couple losing interest in each other uh george doesn't listen to his wife lorraine is just constantly reminiscing about teenage love while implying drunkenness um and and it's it's emphasized that it's it's hard to ever believe that these two were ever in love with, with each other but they were and and that brings me back to, uh, that brings me, not back to, sorry, uh, that brings me to another theme, which is uh, reconciliation and understanding. Uh, because of him going back in time, he's able to see his, uh, while everything else maybe glitz and glamour and gilded, his parents aren't, and especially his father. And we get to see Marty as he sees his parents, and he gets to understand them, that You know, like even though Strickland called him called him a slacker, he gets to really see him as he is. And he's just kind of this weird, awkward, really weird guy for uh, wanting to peep on uh, a girl changing. I mean, he's (laughs) it's so weird, like
3: in one way of how far we come in a society, because initially people thought that was, you know, uh, an okay thing to do.
1: The very least, or very like, or they just like
3: oh that's quirky
1: that's like something like quaint and
3: permissible
2: like you know that yeah, does, that and, doesn't harm anyone
3: yeah even though it's just very predatory but
2: also speaking of um, you know of course uh, Marty like gets his dad out of the way and get hits by the car gets hit by the car and then the guy gets out and he's like, he's like another one of these damn kids jumped in front of my car and it's like Oh, how many kids have you hit with your fucking car? That how many people
1: were peeping on his daughter. Maybe I mean that
0: too. Oh God. Yeah. So have they have they all been falling out of I feel trees? Like that's
1: just the, the peeping tree. You know what? It never. What, was that Lorraine though? Yeah. yeah. I mean, because that was their house. I mean, I, that happened right outside their house.
2: I know it did happen. You know, you know, I I knew that. It never really occurred to me. I don't know why, <laughs> like it, the. The person in the window always came off as blonde in my head for some reason. I don't know. I, I remember you don't you don't see the, the
3: girl's face, but yeah, I like guess it's, it's a. But uh, I I thought it was implied to be Lorraine. Yeah,
0: telegraphed to be her. You know,
2: ever crossed my mind? These many many. Canon,
0: don't feel bad. You'd be you wouldn't really be surprised about how many '80s films, maybe even older, are literally white people peeping oh, on I, white I, people. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how how many like
1: quote, classic 80s comedies are, are, are just filled with, like, date rape mm-hmm. and sexual assault. It's like, another one of yeah. my favorite
2: another one of my favorite movies, Monster Squad, has a pretty uh, infamous Peeping Tom scene.
0: That is a yikes. I haven't seen Monster Squad in forever. Oh, I love that movie so much.
2: So
1: obviously, like, a blanket statement. You know, the, the time has passed on, so some of these things, well, they weren't okay then. It's that they've become more uh, glaring now yeah and, but, but also like something that I remember seeing today that two things can exist simultaneously like something can be enlarged a substantive and you know qualitative movie but still have like problematic parts that mm-hmm. like, one doesn't to an extent one won't out won't outdo the other it, it just yeah. depends on like how much that is and plus like where that yeah. line is going to be different for every person and that's valid I was, like, I was like you're all smart you know you knew all this anyway
0: <laughs> yeah no I mean th- in this film with that moment is just you know we, we, we get to something else later but it is um, it's different from what we what we see with uh, his father. But anyway, like I was saying, this uh, this get this deals with uh, reconciliation because an understanding is that we see now that uh, his father, uh, like him, there they might be vastly different, but he can still emphasize with him. Marty is is in a band. Did I say emphasize? Empathize. Thank you, John. Again, you have saved me. Um, empathize with his father. Marty is in a band, and he is scared. putting his band and his music out there and he and he even says he just doesn't know how to handle that if he'll be able to handle that kind of rejection and then George his father adolescent George says the same thing and that is when he's referring to his science fiction writing so there we already get we already get that kind of we already get that understanding and that and we see here that that was something I really I I kind of had like I guess comfort or I, I I liked about this and like you know even even though he Marty is able to show greater love for his his parents and um and he and he like he he want like not only he does does he want Marty's really being put to work here not only does he want a better life for himself because he he wants to he wants to get out of town, you know, get out there. But he also um, he also wants to help his parents and not only for um, to make sure that he is not erased from all of reality, um, but also to, you know, get them to fall in love, love again, but also to make sure their dreams become reality as well, D- just to better improve their uh, standard of, of living. And I, and I think that's something that can be um respected
2: here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Which is kind of weird because, like, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, I I listened to a couple of interviews with Crispin Glover. Um, this, granted, this was months ago, so bear with me here. Apparently, he did not enjoy how the movie, like, ended because he felt like the producers and directors or whatnot were trying to make the message all about just like, greed and, like, have all the money in the world, it'll make you happy and whatnot. And I was just like, well i definitely i I can see that point of view because
1: whereas they could have had the movie wrap up with like his family just being happy like you know his 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 mother and father have like a passionate and fruitful marriage but then it had sort of like this added thing onto it where they like they're very financially successful because like oh he you know he, he followed with his passion and started writing so like but that necessarily wouldn't lead to, like, oh, he's becomes a best selling author and has like all this like rich, fancy stuff. Like, I could see how that might be read like, oh, you know, he it, sort of like this, this sort of this fantasy, like, oh, not only do you get this main goal of his parents having a successful marriage, but also like they're financially successful. Like, so like this extra layer of fantasy on top of it. Because literally, they could, the movie could have ended right back exactly where it started, where like, you know, George is working for Biff. But, you know, but they're still happy with their marriage. And that, that still would have been a satisfactory conclusion because, like, even if you got, like, a crummy job, because could still have a, a happy home life. In the end, that's kind of more important. Although, we, we all know money, a certain level of money does secure, like, se- happiness, it, but, like, you know.
2: It may not give you happiness, but it'll solve about 95% of my goddamn problems. Which, in turn, leads to happiness. But you know <laughs> what we're trying to say. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I can I can see his point, but at the same time, I didn't really get that vibe. Plus, if they're so successful, how come all the kids are still living at home? I think it was more for just like visual continuity. Yeah, whatever. Jimmy Olsen in your suit. No. <laughs> <laughs> and like, what, I, I couldn't tell was the was the sister. Was she
1: the youngest child? I or is Marty the youngest? I think Marty's the youngest. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, Marty's yeah. the youngest. But I wasn't sure because like. I wasn't sure her age, because she looked like she's a grown woman, even mm-hmm. though Marty's, Michael J. Fox, Crispin Glover, and Leah Thomason are all more or less the same age. And they're playing, like, Crispin and Leah are playing adults.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, if I remember correctly, I think Marty's supposed to be 17 in this movie.
1: Yeah, cause, cause, I think. Because he said uh, to Doc, he's like,
0: "Look me up in the future, I'll be 47. Yeah, he, he's, um, he's close to being an adult, uh, from what I understand. That's interesting though, because I, 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 like you said, I don't get that from that. I think now, sorry, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing a lot of things in my head. Like in a way, like I don't mean to cut you
2: off, but like I mean, in a way, like again, he's like wanting to be a, a writer and whatnot, and I mean, he got his, he got his happy ending, I suppose. everything yeah, because
3: at least initially, that's how I saw it was him looking, uh. Him succeeding in his goals to be a successful writer.
2: But of course, with Time Machines and two more movies, you know, shit changes.
3: <laughs> that is true.
2: I, I think it was
3: just that emphasis on the financially successful part. Like, I, I get like, I get what he was saying. I just don't think that was probably the intended meaning. Yeah. It was probably just, you know, an accidental reading of the movie.
2: Plus, like, you know, Crispin Glover, like, what, like, infamous, like, bunch of, like, lawsuits and shit. Later on down the line, I think, you know, pertaining to the sequels and whatnot.
1: Yeah, he, he and Robert Zemeckis, they are definitely butted heads on set and in perpetuity, yeah. it seemed like.
2: Yeah, I really don't mean to get ahead of myself here, but, like, in, in the other two movies, like, when I was, like, very young, I didn't know it was a different guy. Like, I didn't even have any idea that, like, there were different Jennifers between one and two as well. Until, yeah. like, I got older and watched them again. I was like, holy shit, they're,
0: they're, they're not the same. I, I didn't know that either.
2: Oh, wow. Well. Save that for, like... Part two and three. But
0: anyway, back to... The future. The future. <laughs> back to the father. <laughs> and back, back to the future. Um, I, was, I was just going to say that this is something I uh, I kind of sympathize here with uh, Marty's situation is being able to see his parents in not a one dimension or a one role. Um, to be able to see them at their most vulnerable and to witness the things that shape them would be a devastating gift in a way. Um, because you can... Alter and better their lives, and that's, you know, if he's gonna be a successful writer, then why can't he reap the rewards? That I don't know. That kind of bothers me. Like, like I said, it's like he's like altering, he's altering their their lives and everything, and might be considered selfish. But then, like, it would make their lives ultimately better. And I I don't think, sorry, I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And in this case, too, their their roles, Marty is role with his father and his. And his mother at this point are reversed and that he's kind of nurturing them and helping them grow <sighs> something also that bothers something that bothers me. And one of the I think one of the things I can I can stab at this film for is that Lorraine isn't really the mother isn't really there's nothing done much with her we, we only get the father. Um, and his and his growth. And I don't I don't know. I, I, I just do not like that because Lorraine is essentially put in here as not only as a love interest, but something of a kind of like a punchline, just a joke. It, like the, And the joke is Marty's mom wants to fuck Marty.
1: It's like Mama Fly horny.
0: Yeah, exactly. She's she's only there uh, for George to gain and for to be part of a funny situation involving uh incest <laughs> like that's it like, that,
2: that's again,
3: the only thing we get once again it, it boggles my mind that w- one of the the most popular movies family movies mind you of like the past like 50 years has partly to do with incest do you
2: think that has something to do with the reason why it was like rejected around 44 times before it was greenlit probably I, I know the like movie, even Disney was like, hell no, I'm not touching that. Yeah,
3: they they thought it, they, Disney thought it was a little too blue. <laughs> no, we keep the <laughs> fucking Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale.
0: No, we keep the incest. God damn it. <laughs> but the thing is, the execs wanted more incest. Robert Zemeckis and Gale were like, were like, okay, the the you know the little bit of only a little incest. <laughs> we're not monsters. Only a little. <laughs> no (laughs) i mean
3: shit spielberg produced this movie he's like all right boys if this does not have any incest i'm fucking out i'm pulling all my money i want a refund
0: that i think about how how many how much of hollywood is just incest is interested in incest i don't know
1: i am sure a lot of them are very sexually depraved
0: yeah i mean
3: the shit we learned about army hammer holy fuck that was
0: wild Woo! That's spicy as fuck. Fi- and it's continually spicy okay, too. Uh,
2: it, it just gets
0: worse. I it, don't know how. Like.
2: I'm, I'm out of the loop on that one. I don't know what's happening.
1: We'll, we'll fill you in on that story later. We can't bring that up in the podcast.
2: We'll, we'll just say it has to do with cameras. Please tell him. All right. But I mean, I, I guess like this movie has like little bits of, of, of horny sprinkled throughout. But pretty sure like this movie in the 80s, uh, the theater has something playing uh, called Orgy American Style. That's in the movie. I'm sorry. I I literally have watch notes. These are watch notes from like a year ago. When I initially was getting ready for the show, and I'm just like doing little like silly things. I do have like actual like fun facts, but we'll wait.
0: It's all good. No, it's fine. Thank goodness, John and Pat, you guys are saviors for editing. And I
2: will say, like, everything that you said in your notes so far. Like you know, about the movie itself, like I I have here, I'm like, oh shit, I'm just crossing shit off.
3: Fucking mines crossing, yeah. They're crossing streams, like in that other '80s movie.
1: A lot of big uh, marquee films came out in the, in the '80s.
3: Yeah, Coastbusters, the movie that's about trickle down economics.
2: <laughs> also, this movie also triggered me because in '85, gas was a dollar nine a gallon.
3: I'm disgusting. Damn. Yeah, I paid like two fifty seven. The cheap, and that's like low for this country. The cheapest
2: dude. I ever remember paying for gas when I was paying for gas was like a buck twenty five.
3: Yeah, it's just like Jesus Christ. Off topic, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking no, me and Canada are cheap no, okay. railing the shit out of this. I'm <laughs> sorry, so I'm sorry. Oh, uh,
0: anyway, back to Back to the Future. Back, 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 back. Okay. Uh, another theme I, I I just like to throw in here is that maybe messing with time ain't so bad. I would mess with it constantly. Fuck yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> fuck
2: the time-space continuum. If I, mm.
0: I mean, if Give look, me a time machine. I'm fucking shit if, up.
1: If, if time travel is, is inconsequential as like Avengers Endgame was, it doesn't matter
0: what the fuck you do. Yeah,
1: Kill someone's past self. It doesn't matter.
0: It doesn't matter.
2: You're still there, apparently.
0: If we just have a nice mix of Back to the Future and Avengers Endgame, I think we'd have a perfect time travel rules. Because the reason why I, I say this is because we get uh, Doc is constantly warning Marty not to mess with time. And but Marty is constantly trying to tell him, hey, something happens to you in the future. And this is Marty trying to save him. And um, he gives him a note that I thought was really nice. This is we get a, n- another pay setup up and payoff. He gives him this note. Doc destroys it initially, but then when Marty finally returns back to the future, we see we see Doc get shot again and then we see Marty. Marty seeing himself go back in time. But then it turns out Doc's alive. He wore a bulletproof vest and he went against his own rule. And I think we get some good development in there. That was
2: some good and
0: shit. That was some good shit. That was some this also goes into another theme I have written down is setups and payoffs. And we got a lot of them. Yeah. Bundles. This, uh, fucking loads of them bundles and bundles uh i should say at the very beginning of the movie whenever in the beginning of this podcast uh whenever canon and john mentioned about the um the man hanging from the clock tower and that's like a reference to a doc that's a setup and then payoff for doc hanging from the clock tower in 1955 that's also a reference to the 1923 silent comedy film Mm -hmm. safety last i i i just i thought that was fun and and uh, anyway, more set ups and payoffs we have here. Uh, you know, if anybody has any uh, this section right now, oh yeah, I think I got a few myself. <laughs> there, like I, that's what I really like about this film is the amount of just Easter eggs. I like you said in the very beginning, it's just so nice to watch this and then come back to it and just. Pick up stuff that you didn't see originally. Like whenever Doc Brown says that he remembers when the town was all farmland, and then when Marty goes back, it's literally all farmland. <laughs> I thought that was nice. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Or like how he
3: hits the pine tree and when he comes into the pass, yes. and it changed from Twin Pines yes. Mall to Twin Pines Mall to Lone Pine Mall. The 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 crazy lady trying to raise money for the clock tower. Uh foreshadowing the lightning strike
2: mm-hmm. like marty talking about he's at one point going from man i don't think i can take that kind of rejection to becoming the creator of rock and roll essentially <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah which is yep yeah
1: exactly I, I did think it was funny that like even though marty's sort of like t- a little timid about being on stage but also he just went ham he was he was just extra as fuck yeah. on that stage oh yeah
2: also, can we, uh, I'm sorry. sorry, just a yeah. sweet little tidbit. Can we talk about how awesome it is that Huey Lewis himself told Marty, no, you're playing the song that I wrote way too loud, and you're not going to do this. Yeah. Damn it, y'all are saying the notes I have written. <laughs> oh, or, 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 I mean, also, when he's, Well, uh, speaking uh, of Marty
3: and I... his. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go, you, go ahead, you're fine. Oh, uh, I was just saying the, uh, with the, uh, he's like, oh, I can't, don't think I can take that kind of rejection,
0: you know, his dad also says that too. Yeah,
2: also feel that on a personal deep level.
0: Yeah, I, I think that I think that's something. That's why I, that's like why I said what I liked about this film is I think anybody can uh, emphasize empathize <laughs> with with that uh, that kind of anxiety of uh, putting something, especially a, being creative, out there. But speaking of music, though, like I was gonna say, uh, Marty missing with the amplifier, and then later him and his band being called too loud. Also. I have a question. I have a question. What was the point of cranking that bitch so far, high up? Like, at a certain point, if it's too loud, it's gonna sound bad. So, what's the point? So, Doc can
2: say that line later when he's like, "Hey, uh, (coughs) don't turn that amp up too loud, or it'll explode."
0: (laughs) All right. Well, now I now I have to mark that off as a bad thing about this movie. That and Lorraine being incest.
1: Well, I was gonna say, even though it's not explained in the the film, but the reason how Marty and Doc become friends is like Marty's just sort of this kind of like troublemaking like curious young man so like the reason why he gets to know uh, Doc because he's like I heard all these rumors about Doc being a crazy person I'm gonna find out for myself and they just sort of like kind of bonded over this sort of incidental moment and like him sort of tinkering with the the gigantic speaker and like cranking that bitch all the way. up. It's just like, that's just sort of inclement to his character and sort of shows he right from the off. Like he's kind of has like this little, like, I guess
3: light troublemaking air to him. Yeah. However, he would not have fucking eardrums.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He would have been like deaf. Yeah. The bad had stage, a bit of just me just like being like, what all right,
2: while, while we're nitpicking that scene in particular, I do have in my watch notes, why is doc calling his own house? He just assumed Marty. He's like that fucking
1: Marty's at my house again. It's Like he's just stays yeah, here. Yeah, like
2: I was just. It never occurred to me until that viewing. I was just like, why? Why is he calling his own house? He lives alone. Just him and the dog. And the dog's not there. Morty, listen, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you better not crank that amp up, Morty. Don't, don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, fun trivia for fun trivia for the listeners out there. This is what inspired Rick and Morty. In, case you, in case you
3: didn't know that very obscure fun fact,
0: just in yeah, case. Very.
3: <laughs> oh jeez, Doc. I, I I don't know. I don't know about this, Doc. Oh my God. Ah!
2: Also, that what was that guitar? That was the worst guitar in the history of guitar. <laughs> that
3: that was a whack ass guitar. I swear to God, it looked like they went to the nearest fucking pawn store, and it was like give me the cheapest shit you got and they gave him like this
0: 5-year-old practice guitar like
2: it was damn near the size of a mandolin that
0: yeah that was that was a weird guitar i will i will agree but like i mean i
3: can like, bar- like barely get my like shitty line 6 practice amp like halfway before i'm i feel like my ears are bleeding much less cranking that son of a bitch up but you know
0: that's just like <laughs> <laughs> Fucking cinema sins level nitpicks. Yeah, ding. You know that also. That also actually, Pat brought me to a really good point about character analysis involving Marty and Doc Brown. Uh, I know John earlier said that their uh their friendship is it, it, it's kind of weird, you know. And yeah, I, I guess it could be considered strange, but it it also really makes sense. Like, like Pat was saying, um, doc Brown is this eccentric and weird and smart guy. And then as we can tell from Marty, he has, uh, a genuine interest in him and his inventions. Uh, go, he went to his house messing with the amp. He also, uh, participated as we can tell he participate possibly in his um experiments i mean he did with the uh the time travel experiment and uh we have a case here of uh opposites attracting marty is street smart doc is book smart like i said marty is curious and he wants to um better himself and doc is ultimately the opportunity for that because like pat said he's he's kind of a troublemaker he's got four tardies four tardies <laughs> he's got four, four tardies but he he shows i i this is i really enjoy that he, it shows that he's capable of learning you know he's not he's not one dimensional and uh, that's where another i think another thing about this film shines is how it deals with uh certain characters not all of them but especially our main
3: character yeah i mean the characters aren't necessarily i guess like the deepest but like they are they have their own flaws and and i think they're really well defined like there's a reason why they they have stuck in the cultural zeitgeist for as long as they have because they, they, Oh yeah. I mean like, and this movie in general is just like iconic. Like it's hard to think of a time before back to the future, like similar to star Wars in that sense.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And, And plus I just like, we were talking, I just loved sort of the dynamic, like the surface level dynamic between Marty and the doc and sort of like the deeper connotations of their relationship how you know like doc is obviously this very wise and very smart man who's also like like eccentric and he doesn't really know how to fit in the world and like marty while he is sort of outcasted in a lot of ways but he's like he, he obviously knows how to get by day to day because like doc is like sort of been like shunned by larger society from what like the text of the film he sort of he sort of like regressed in himself so like you have marty to bring him out into the real world, we also have Doc to sort of like maybe sort of bring something out of Marty, like his potential. Because, like, Doc is one of the only adults in the film to sort of like see Marty as like not just a screw up, fuck up kid. It's like, oh, no, you have genuine interest, but just because it doesn't go through like this traditional avenue of what how we expect children to act in school, like you have these skills and you know, these interests that I can sort of get down to you on a personal level and help you bring out. I feel like there's a really good balance between the two on this conceptual level. And plus, like, you know, Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd just have,
2: you know, great presences in the film. Mm -hmm. Yes, like, they legitimately feel like actual, like, best friends. Yeah, And and since we, like, brought it up, I just wanted to, as long as I've adored these movies, I've never thought to, like, look up, like, the actual origin of how the two met. So, I finally did that last night.
3: And it was what, like, Pat was describing. Yeah. Because didn't you say that's what Bob Gale said in, like, an interview or something? Yeah,
2: he, he said that, like, you know, Mar- Marty was, uh, was curious about this, like, the scientist that everybody called a crackpot, and he's like, well, I'm curious, I want to find out. And then Doc thought it was cool as hell that Marty liked his inventions, so pretty much, I guess, just hired him on as an intern, like, <laughs> uh, like a lab assistant to help him out with his stuff. They became the best of friends.
0: Thank you, Pat. That's exactly uh something I really I love about uh their friendship is is that um you know Marty is uh, like you said they're both on the fringe of society. Marty is like t- typically somebody uh who you would think as cool, but I I I think <laughs> I think Marty would be somebody who is uh you would consider as truly cool. Uh rather than being on a sports team or being like a prep uh I actually call this somebody who's like a fake cool um he's doing his own thing you know he he's in a band dating a girl he loves he has an eccentric friend you know he he's he's a he's a genuine person and and he has real fears too they these feel like real characters uh he's he's comes from a broken household his siblings are boring his father's still being bullied by uh, by his high school bully and working a soulless job and his mom is a broken housewife and you know it's really sad and i i think we we get a nice um nice friendship here um especially with uh a very nice caring friendship here because marty cares uh very much about his family and friends you know he goes out of his way uh, for his family especially in the past but doc does as well uh doc doc very much cares for Marty it, it feels like a genuine friendship uh like like Cannon said and uh you know doc pushes the way pushes Marty out of the way so that he doesn't get shot and then 1955 version of doc goes out of his way to help Marty and his family and goes back to uh and when he perfects his time machine he even goes back to check on Mar- goes to check on Marty's future as well and um doc may be an adult but Marty already has a father doc is what I would consider a, a true friend and that's not, that's one of the I think the stronger points of this film 100 um but yeah let's uh I, I I'm gonna throw this fun little thing in here I I did quite a bit of research on this i was very curious about this um when i first heard marty's name uh, you know marty isn't anything too special also when freaking he says his name to his parents and they're like that sounds a great name i want to name my son after you that um, anyway it's weird. sorry that, yeah. that was dumb i'm going well, to name weird. my son <laughs> after this
3: guy i thirsted over in high school <laughs>
0: who, who turns out to be my son but i don't know that There's a really good family guy bit that referenced this where Marty sets like their rug on fire and uh, (laughs) his father is like he's like he looks exactly like the guy who set us up together and has the exact same name. I'm not stupid Lorraine. I am not going easy on him, and he takes his belt off like Jesus. Yeah, Christ. I even have that in my watch <laughs> cause notes
2: because he's like, you know, if you know your son ever sets fire to the living room rug, go easy on him. And I'm just like, oh my God, did that, like beat him almost to death or something?
0: <laughs> it's it's man, It's something. You know, spanking. Um, and but it anyway,
3: it's still a thing in most in some parts of the world.
0: Yeah, but McFly, McFly is something that really. Stuck out to me. I thought that was a weird, uh, interesting, not weird, interesting choice of a name. Um, it, it's, uh, on the surface, it seems to be a regular name using alliteration and having Irish origin. Um, but it, to me, it stands, stands out in the same way that Skywalker did in Star Wars. Um, and Gale could have just made this name randomly or maybe knew someone who fits the profile and the easiest person as a model for the character, but I'm not so sure. Not so sure. Let's, Let's hear it, fly. Detective. The Mick is Gaelic for Sun. And Fly, well, it's as it sounds. So, his, it, Fly just they means Fly. They knew that in later installments he would Fly. That's true. His son, or so his name is Sunfly. Well, What good does that do us? Well, if you go and look back at the phrase fly on a wall, we know that means unseen observer. So if we apply that here and knowing that flies can be quite conspicuous – then we see a subtle play with McFly is clearly referencing the fact that unbeknownst to the past version of his parents, he is their son and observing them during a pivotal moment in their lives. Then when he returns to the present, he watches doc get shot and himself travel to the past to escape the Libyans. He is an unseen observer. Furthermore, if that is a stretch, it could be that they're using the slang of the time in conjunction with the character. He's, you know, super cool, slick, fast fly. Uh, but let's take a, A little further too. The central themes of the movie are time and speed. Time and speed are essential to each other in science, physics, and in daily life. The DeLorean has to to travel 88 miles per hour to jump through time. The clocks in the very beginning of the film are 25 minutes slow, so that makes Marty late for school. Now, if we go back to Old English usage of the word "fly," and in certain phrases today, it means to escape, run away. Uncatchable or a void. Marty McFly narrowly escapes the He escapes the wrath of younger Biff, making him uncatchable. This is all thanks to timing and speed. Much like a fly, he's fast and can't be caught. In another sense, he wants to escape his 1985 home life. Moreover, it seems that the entire McFly family wants to escape. Lorraine dreaming of her younger days when George Rooter, George being absorbed in TV and still being bullied by Biff, Marty's dreams of music and music career and so on, their home life doesn't seem the best. So McFly's name being a symbol of escapism is quite possible. In my opinion,
2: I got to say, I have notes galore and I still feel unprepared. (laughs) Wenzel doing his fucking homework (laughs) over here. I mean, he got it down pat.
3: I will say that is a hundred percent valid.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: But, but like also Occam's razor.
2: (laughs) I I,
1: I, would, I would love if if Zebecus and Gale just had these just like flow charts and like strings and it's like okay all this deep dark down dirty theory, and then also just like what if we just what if we just call them McFly like because it sounds cool.
3: <laughs> I don't know, like it's you know, it's one of those things that's very serendipitous in that aspect of like, and, and and you'll see shit like that all the time in any sort of like narrative media where. Like subconsciously, like fucking writer is just like I don't know. This sounds cool, but like if you were to get like really down nitpicky with it, you could form connections mm-hmm. that may may or may not have been intended. Like it's like oh, I didn't think of that, but that sounds cool, you know.
1: Yeah, there might be some writer out there who puts like that level of 4D thinking. <laughs> Into like various small aspects.
3: Of I'm this. playing 13D chess.
1: Where are you? And that and that's very that's very much validated the person created process. So, but I feel like it's funny that you have this very simple like, oh, this sounds cool. To the
3: other side is like, this is very intricately th- thought out. Or like it's just you know a lot of times like I mean you're reading a movie, you don't know most of the time you're not going to know what the person intended. You'll never know because you're not that person. Correct. But like so I mean I mean as long as you can support it with evidence
1: I mean
2: I mean
3: any reading's valid. So I, I say this is cool and valid. This stamp. is the AYCH <laughs> canon
1: you. for Back to the Future.
2: <laughs> McFly's name
3: has entomological roots. I know I said that word completely wrong. Yeah, but like, I'm gonna play it off like I did do it right because I'm a smart. If person. we're going
1: entomological, bringing back Cronenberg, uh, Marty McFly becomes the gr- bundle fly from uh, the. Uh, the J- Jeff he Goldblum becomes fly. Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Holy shit! Just, just just imagine like the Jeff Gold, Goldblum fly monster, but
3: in the Marty McFly clothes.
1: <laughs> There's a crossover for you, folks.
3: Marty, um, we gotta go to the future. I mean, it's about your. Oh my god. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> this, this is you. This oh, Doc, are you <laughs> telling me I
1: turned into a a fly? Like a giant testicle monster? <laughs> and then Lorraine like, little, little has to cry sinking to the floor because Marty just melted off his father's hand because he's now a fly monster. And now she has to put the shotgun to his muzzle and blow his brains out. Spoilers for the
0: fly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, I mean, he came out a year after Back to the Future, so.
0: Those are huge spoilers, man. <laughs> Jesus, that,
3: yeah, that's Cronenberg for you. This is after he has to drive away in his flesh dog
0: car. Flesh dog car. Ooh, that'd be crazy if the DeLorean, it, like you said, the dog and the DeLorean were, like, combined together, so, oh, that'd be awful. <laughs> Wenzel, um, you gotta draw
3: that.
1: Or it, it, it could go two ways. It could be the horrible, monstrosity flesh dog car, or it's just a dog car from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs>
3: or, hear me <laughs> out. Okay, that's it's good. It's like Cat Bus, but dog car. Yes. Where it's like... And his ears are the doors. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, this could be creepy... But because of Miyazaki's magic, he make you know the cat bus is like super cute and cool.
1: And because it's an anime, uh, you see the dog's balls. Yeah, and its butthole. Mm-hmm. And well, speaking speaking of uh, manga and anime, I put in our our discussion chat on Twitter the creator of uh, one Punch, the artist for One Punch Man and Ice Shield uh, Twenty One. They were tentatively going to make a manga version of Back to the Future. But, of course, rights got caught up in it, and they weren't able to do it. But it's a pretty
2: sick drawing. Oh, that would have probably been my first manga purchase. Did he just say manga? Manga, whatever the fuck, man.
3: (laughs) Oh,
0: my (laughs) God. Fucking Winslet
2: busting balls over here. He's
0: just like... Here, here, Yeah, I'm busting balls. Get out of get out of my podcast. Right, hey, right. this is my podcast, too. We went 50-50. I mean, just don't say manga. I, mean, this would fine.
2: Be, this <laughs> I promise I'll never say manga again. It definitely wouldn't be the, the first thing, time that someone's walked
1: off an episode of an <laughs> AYCH. Really?
2: Somebody's walked away from a show before?
1: Oh,
3: no. Oh, I do it all the time.
1: Well, th- th- specifically, I was mentioning... Th- During a Fast and Furious episode, I uh, explained there's a scene where Vin Diesel is lifting up a car, and he does it for real. He actually lifts up the front end of a car. Yeah. We synced
0: it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Synced it. That's some bullshit. Tell me that movie
0: wasn't fantastic, though. Oh, it was fucking amazing. Okay, no, we're not talking about Fast and Furious. (laughs) We're talking about Fast and Furious. That's a
1: different um, spinoff. But we also look forward to more Fast and Furiouses. You remember the part with the fucking zombie
0: cars? (laughs) Spoilers for the next Fast and Furious. (laughs) Anyway, uh, there was a little uh, question I wanted to put out. So we got the character Biff. Uh, Does anybody want to take a whack at who Biff is based off of? Donald Trump, right? Well, Well, you got it, Cannon.
2: Goddamn. I know my shit.
0: No, he, yeah he's yeah he's based off of uh. Gale later admitted that he was based off of Donald Trump. It's nothing big. I just thought it was funny. That's kind of all I had for Back to the Future. I think I covered everything that I wanted to break down about this goddamn film. Um, any final thoughts? Uh, I did.
1: I think it was cool that um in one of the original drafts of the film that the time machine was a just a modified refrigerator. It was powered by Coat, but it would it, be a very stationary prop. And the reason why Steven Spielberg. Changed it because he was afraid people, kids, would climb into the refrigerator and get stuck. Which is funny considering um, oh, Jesus that's Christ. kind of a, a plot point in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> yeah,
3: well, well, like a lot of yeah. old refrigerators, they would lock yeah. on the inside. So, like, there have been people, like kids, who were just playing around and would get stuck, and no one would knew where they were.
1: Yeah, kids would play junkyards and get climb into a fridge and uh, get stuck there and die. That that's sort of funny to think of in an alternate verse. Uh, it was a refrigerator instead of a car. Also, how the movie was almost called Spaceman from Pluto, even though it refers referred
2: yeah. to two scenes early on in the film. I, uh, I find it funny that you know I just like looked up a bunch of interesting factoids about it and whatnot. And then according to Bob Gale, on October 26th of 1985, people actually showed up to the mall that was portrayed as the Twin Pines Mall to see if Marty would arrive. Oh, damn. Did he? I mean, obviously not. And of course... Um, because apparently Eric Stoltz was originally supposed to play Marty McFly. Mm -hmm. I mean, according to this, uh, Michael J. Fox was always the first choice but was unavailable due to the scheduling conflicts with his role on Family Ties. Eric Stoltz filmed for six weeks before Zemeckis and Gale realized that Stoltz wasn't right for the role, and then Michael J. Fox worked out a schedule to fulfill both commitments. So he filmed his television show and Back to the Future all at the same time. I think he had to do a lot of travel for that too. I bet that fucking sucked.
1: And there's, there's definitely moments where he, he seems like, like kind of tired within, the, even outside the context of the scene. So, I could understand how doing a weekly television show and then like a full fledged
2: movie production with definitely draining, especially for traveling. And um, this is, I thought this was a crazy story. Um, uh, Thomas F. Wilson, who plays Biff, um, almost suffered a broken collarbone in the cafeteria scene when. Stoltz um, was still cast because he was being too aggressive. And apparently, according to him, allegedly, uh, Wilson was going to give him a receipt during the car park scene outside of the dance, but Eric was fired before he could punch it, him in the gut.
1: It is interesting, sort of like the behind the scenes sort of gap between Eric Stoltz and the cast, and then like Crispin Glover in the cast, how like there's just like a lot of like friction of personalities. Yeah. yeah, and
2: v- something very minor but apparently this was Billy Zane's first on-screen appearance
3: wow just think of like the nice. first movie you're in is fucking Back to the Future I would be
2: happy to tell people that and then <laughs> 10 years later
3: he was in the fucking Phantom
2: I own that movie <laughs> I,
1: just, well just on Crispin, Crispin Glover I, I was looking up uh, some stuff him in between uh, bits and I found out his full name is Crispin Hellion Glover that's Whoa. his. That's his God-given name, Hellion. Hellion. Also, it kind of fits because this picture of him I found is really spooky. It is.
3: Oh, no, chief, that ain't He's it. very
1: scary looking in this picture I found.
3: W- was he the the dad in Dexter? No. Okay, it kind of looks like him.
2: Oh, uh, the dad in Dexter was um, Raiden in Mortal Kombat: Annihilation, <laughs> and in Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, but uh, note-wise, um, shit, um, th- 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 I think it's cool that uh, it was selected by the Library of Congress for preservation in the National Film Registry in 2007.
1: Also, Fast and Future is um, AFI's uh, number 10 ranked science fiction best science fiction film of all time. Ooh. Did you just
3: say Fast and Future?
1: You, God said, you did it. say Fast and Future. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, hey, <laughs> the lads pitch the crossover between to the Future and Fast and Future. future
2: and <laughs> I'd fucking watch it. <laughs> Oh, side hey, note, I mean car. as we speak, there's an ongoing fucking comic by IDW, goddamn crossover of the century, Transformers, and Back to the Future, and the fucking time machine is a Transformer, and his name is fucking Gigawatt. That is the greatest goddamn thing ever. Nice. They, they have the toy at
1: Target. I saw it today. Oh. The actual Transformer, uh, transforming, uh, oh, um,
2: well, DeLorean. I gotta get that any final thoughts john (laughs) i'm sorry
3: i didn't hear you so i was like oh no did discord shit the bed fuck okay but uh no as far as final thoughts go uh yeah i mean it's straightforward movie it's fucking great but even for it being straightforward like just this conversation like i was like oh my god this can go in like 50 different directions because this movie is denser than a fucking pound cake but yeah it's all right it's very nice
2: now, All I right. pose a question to Wenzel. Uh, yes. what are What's the over-under on uh, discussions on part two and
0: three in the future? What are the discussions about that? There haven't been any.
2: And Wenzel just had a stroke and died.
3: <laughs> you could probably <laughs> expect it to happen at some point. It'll probably be a while. Yeah,
2: I, I don't... Oh, yeah, I'm not, I, I wasn't it'll probably anticipating be a bit. it being like a very soon thing.
3: However, I want to watch the second one.
2: Hot take. It's my favorite one. Oh really? I, don't the get second me wrong. I, I adore all of these movies, the first one too. But uh, I have a sweet spot for the second one, and it's my favorite.
0: Okay, here's the thing. I agree with you. I like the Boo, second one too. Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah, I, I. The third one is fine, but like, you know, it's a sol- It's a solid trilogy overall. Yeah. Honestly, they're all not really horrendous. Yeah, like I know, like the the third one gets a bad rap, but like even
2: for what it is, I really enjoy it like the whole story in itself beginning middle and end like you have that like all the time yeah also found it interesting that like I they agree. were released like a year apart mm-hmm. part 289 part 390
0: this film ultimately is a buddy film marty and doc brown two friends go on an adventure to protect each other and their loved ones a teenage kid is kind of given an ideal scenario to alter himself, his future, and to see his parents in a different light. While every film doesn't have to be deep, complex, or revolutionary, this film is not outstanding, but I couldn't ask for more. It's saturated itself into pop culture, spawned an awesome trilogy with very seamless endings, and at the end of the day, it's just a fun film to take you and me back in time. Is it a classic? Absolutely. Is it an essential viewing? Yeah. yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: I agree. It's definitely essential. It's one of the biggest pop culture movies of all time, and I think it's well worth your time to check it out. If by some chance Hell yeah. uh, you haven't seen it, but we, as we found out, that is possible. Yeah, and it plus it had this really cool perspective of having like this range of feelings on the movie. You have like hardcore fans, we have brand new eyes on the product, and we have like people who just sort of grown up with it, being a part of this huger culture entity so i think it's a lot of fun and lastly what does our favorite cinema mollusk think about oh
2: Otto! hello
3: buddy Otto, he's he tells me he really likes it
0: that's good (laughs) (laughs) good. (laughs) that's good thank you to anybody out there who listened to this i really appreciate it i hope i wasn't i was too all over the place but everyone give it up for please. Um, come on
1: Window back in the hosting
0: saddle. Hell yes! Thank you. I, re- I really appreciate it. Um, but if you want, you can check us out all you can hear. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Overcast. Uh, any RSS feed, we're there. Uh, give us a like, a rating, a review. Any feedback, we do appreciate it. We do listen. Um, we've actually reformatted a lot of our uh, a lot of our show. Because of feedback, so it's not it's not going to waste. I promise, we do look at it. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. Uh, all you can hear, you can follow us on Twitter. A Y C H Podcast, is that correct? That's correct. Okay, and now I'm going to uh, leave. Uh, what what's Facebook, Pat? Our Facebook, what's our Facebook? Our Facebook is all you can hear, just like our letterbox. Yeah, just like our letterbox, and you can. F- Follow follow us, subscribe, follow us on YouTube where all our VODs from our past streams are on there. That's, what is uh, that, that, that that's, all, that's all you can hear. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully we'll get back to streaming because we're also on Twitch, twitch.tv slash allyoucanhear as well. And I really don't, is that, is, is there any more plugs? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Letterboxd, Twitch, YouTube, that's all of them that's all of them thank you wow gosh i can't believe i did that yeah! with no help uh and you can follow me Winslow. <laughs> you can follow me on twitter at winzell you can follow my art instagram what a winsy. again thank you so much for listening to this um yeah bye-bye <laughs> bye-bye uh, th- like, thank you all for listening we hope you enjoyed the, the reformatted interviewing hopefully there
1: will be many more to come if there, and then just honestly uh, bear with us with the growing pains for, with the, for the reformatted show and just in general life is hard and uh, making things is, is hard too but you can follow me on twitter instagram and letterboxd john lost his name on facebook at
3: john lost his name Mark. my name is jonathan you can follow me at twitter at j-o-n-i-i-b-o-i-24
2: or jonathan12 on letterboxd and I am Canon. You can follow me at That Cannon guy on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Hell yeah. Thank you. Bye bye.
0: Thank you. It's time to go to back to the future.